Welcome into Locked On Knicks. The Knicks have won six straight games. I am Alex Wolf. He's Gavin Shaw, and we are talking about the Knicks 122 to 112 win over the New Orleans Pelicans at home. Gavin, a come from behind victory that maybe shouldn't have been come from behind, but it's hard to argue with the result when the Knicks force overtime and come out with a 10 point win, six straight games. I, I'm feeling pretty on top of the world. If Reggie Bullock hit the game-tying three, three seconds left on the clock. Uh, if it wasn't already a foregone conclusion in your mind, the Knicks absolutely dominated overtime, capped off by a Julius Randle shot clock beating heave from 25, 26 feet out as the Knicks cruise to a 122-112 overtime victory. We'll get into that, how it happened, what it all means right now on Locked on Knicks. You are Locked on Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes right now. All right, welcome into Locked On Knicks. Today's episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. I am Alex Wolf. I am editor-in-chief of Knicks site, The Strickland, which you can find at thestrick.land. Also, check out our new merch drop that we just dropped. Have some cool R.J. Barrett and Frank Nilakina merch that we that we came out with to start things off. And he is Gavin Shaw, play-by-play, announcer-by-day, finally about to be active again after such a long time off for COVID. And podcaster, talk about the Knicks, obviously. And Gavin, we are very happy to both be holding that post today. As we said in the intro, the Knicks... Win 122 to 112 over the Pelicans. This game was uh, pretty interesting. I'll, I'll just say that much. Uh, the Knicks got out to a 13-point lead after the first half. Looked like they were going to really cruise to victory here. It looked like it was going to be kind of similar to how things have gone in in you know recent games where they've been on this five-game win streak and seem to have finally figured out, like, hey, we can get out to a big lead, but then we have to actually hold on to it. But then, out of nowhere, returns the third quarter of Doom. Uh, the Knicks give up, I think it was like a 12-2 run to start the third quarter. And then eventually, in the fourth quarter, seeded the lead back to New Orleans, which kind of made you think, oh, man, you know, well, it was a good run while it lasted, but it's bound to happen where, you know, the Knicks would have another one of these. I guess you could call this one a trap game, you know, because the Pelicans just, as we've seen, are not the best team, uh, despite having two really good young talents in Zion Williamson and Brandon Ingram. Uh, but then the Knicks did their recent Knicksy thing and and came back. They played, you know, really tight down the stretch. They forced some turnovers down towards the end of regulation. Uh, eventually leads to a situation where Derek Rose gets the ball down three up at the top of the three point line, starts driving in with, just a, a mere few seconds left on the clock. You're kind of like clenching your teeth, like, oh no, you're going to make a layup. And then, you know, the Knicks are going to be 
down by one and then you know we're just going to kind of be in the same situation you're gonna have to foul and then it's gonna be one second left and you're gonna try to heave something up and it's not gonna go in no didn't happen Derek Rose kicks it to Reggie Bullock in the corner who was left alone Stan Van Gundy roasted his team and basically called them uh, more or less dumber than high schoolers <laughs> after the game in his post-game quotes for leaving Reggie Bullock wide open in the corner Reggie cans a three Clyde was befuddled, as always, that uh, the Pelicans didn't just foul the Knicks and send them to the free throw line, which would have meant at most two points. And the Knicks tie the game. Uh, Eric Bledsoe, who kind of got hot in the second half, comes down on the other end and tries to put up a shot to win the game. Derek Rose gets his fingertips on it and blocks it and saves that for the Knicks. We head to overtime. And then the Knicks just, I mean, they had all the momentum at that point, and it was Basically over from the time it started. You know, Julius Randle scores some points. Reggie Bullock hit some before he fouled out of the game. Uh, Derek Rose scored some points. Nerlens Noel catches a fantastic alley-oop down the stretch to kind of start to ice things. And then, Gavin, as you mentioned in the the intro, Julius Randle catches a pass from Frank Nilakina and with... I mean, literally, you can't you can't tell exactly how much time because it only goes down to tenths of a second. But with probably about a hundredth of a second left on the shot clock, the ball exits his fingertip and goes in for three to put the Knicks up enough to put this game away. And, uh, you know, they made a few customary free throws down the stretch. The refs took way too long to review like three different things, one of which was that three pointer. Uh, the other of which was a clear, uh, obvious clear path foul on Emmanuel quickly, uh, and a couple other things. You know, the refs love to make it about them, but that's neither here nor there, Gavin. The Knicks win this game. Where do you want to start as far as our discussion is concerned? Wow, I'm almost I'm overwhelmed, Alex. There, there's so, so many things happen in this one. So many good things happening to the Knicks in a big picture sense. But how about my man Reggie Bullock? I feel like sometimes we don't give him enough love. Fouled out, but essentially gave the Knicks the chance to win this game, finished six for eight, three for five from distance, has just been playing exceptionally well since a cold start to the year. We, we were both really hyped about him coming into last season, um, I, and, and last year felt like he never really had a real chance, um, I mean, both due to like the dysfunction of the Knicks as a whole and him coming off that back injury. And this year, he, he's exactly the guy you wanted, a, a consistent 3-and-D presence um, to the nth degree. And, and we heard um, Doris Burke, in the game saying, man, you know what, the Knicks, they're just sort of one elite uh, three-point shooting role player away. And she referenced Joe Harris. And, and certainly in some respects, Joe Harris, w- with his off-the-dribble ability, would be an upgrade on Reggie Bullock. But man, I, I don't know if we give Reggie Bullock enough appreciation. What a gutsy shot. And how about Derrick Rose? He, he is, I mean, this, this was probably his best overall game as a Nick, but the last couple have just been bang, bang, bang for Derrick Rose every single night. Um, I, I think I think over the last few, he's, I mean, shout out to R.J. Barrett. There's a pretty compelling case to be made. He's been the Knicks' second best player behind Julius Randle. The, the shot creation in this one, I mean, to your point, on, on the game, tying assist, just the basketball IQ to to draw. I mean, I, and a lot of people are like, all right, that's the obvious play. Like, he's a veteran. You know, you're down three. You pass that out. But the pull to do what you always do in those situations, it, it's tough. And you saw that with Lonzo Ball. 
Like, like Lonzo Ball's not an idiot. He, he's an exceptionally smart basketball player in general. He knows that he's supposed to guard the three-point line. But when you see someone coming right down the lane and, and all your training for all your life is, is like there's, there's an alarm going off in your head saying, go, 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 protect the rim, protect the rim. And, and Rose, to the same extent, that alarm's going off, finish, 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 instead has the wherewithal to make that pass. And, and it capped off a game where, where the Knicks absolutely needed him from a scoring perspective. Um, down Alec Burks. Down, obviously, R.J. Barrett for the final, like, counting over time, nine minutes or so of this game. Rose, we, we can get into more details next segment, Alex, but he made play after play after play. I, I just thought a spectacular game for him. Yeah, I, I mean, ultimately, you know, Julius Randle, as he has been lately, was the star of this game. But this one was the the one most where I think that role players really shined during this win streak. I mean, you made the point during our last episode, like, uh, that without Julius Randle, uh, and I mean, you know, without Julius Randle in this game too, obviously they lose, but, you know, in the last game, it was pretty much all about Julius Randle. I mean, that 44-point explosion, he was just crazy. Like, he influenced that game on every single level. And this game, he did as well. I mean, he he really went to work, obviously, 33 points. Um, you know, you, you can't replicate that anywhere else, plus that dagger three in overtime. He had plenty of his moments, but... The big moments that ultimately sent this to overtime and, and you know, some of the big moments down the stretch in the fourth quarter were thanks to those role players, thanks to Derrick Rose, thanks to um, Nerlens Noel to a degree, thanks to Reggie Bullock making that shot. Um, you know, it was, it was really great to see. I, I love when the whole team just kind of comes together and gets these wins together like that. Um, it, it's It's always just such a blast to watch happen in real time. Uh, but Gavin, I think we could take our first break real quick and just remind everybody that today's episode is brought to you by Indeed. And let's say you're the hiring expert for your company. And what you really need is help making your short list of quality candidates. You need a hiring partner who helps make your life easier. You need Indeed. Indeed is the job site that makes hiring as easy as one, two, three. Post, screen, and interview all on Indeed. Get your quality shortlist of candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job description faster. Only pay for the candidates that meet must-have qualifications and schedule and complete video interviews in your Indeed dashboard. Indeed makes connecting with and hiring the right talent fast and easy. With tools like Indeed Instant Match, giving you quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed fits your job description immediately. And indeed, skills test that on average reduces hiring time by 27%. You could choose from more than 130 skills tests and add your own, then add your must-have requirements so you only pay for applications that meet them. According to Talent Nest, Indeed delivers four times more hires than all other job sites combined. If you're hiring, you need Indeed. Get started right now with a free $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash locked. Again, get a $75 credit at Indeed.com slash locked. Indeed.com slash locked. Offer valid through June, June 30th. Terms and conditions apply. And today's show is also brought to you by Built Bar. You know the story. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. They have so many amazing flavors like caramel brownie, cookies and cream, coconut almond, German chocolate, peanut butter, orange, toffee almond. I could go on and on. 
So many great flavors, all of them covered in 100% chocolate. They are soft and easy to chew and really give you that candy bar experience without that candy bar guilt. And on top of it, they are good for you. They are low calorie, low sugar, high protein, and high fiber. For example, the Coconut Almond Bar has 18 whopping grams of protein compared to just 180 calories, 5 grams of sugar, and 5 grams of net carbs. And the Cookies and Cream Bar, which is one of the nut-free varieties, uh, which Bilt Bar has plenty of for those of you with nut allergies, has 17 grams of protein, just 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and 4 grams of net carbs. So if you want to get some Built Bars for yourself, go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. Again, use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. And that's it for this ad break. I just got to remind all of you too that we're giving you everything you need to know about the Knicks. If you want to know about the rest of sports, get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get podcasts. Again, that's the Odyssey app. That's spelled A-U-D-A-C-Y. Great new app where you can get all your favorite podcasts, including all Locked On podcasts. That includes all of our sister podcasts, too, like Locked On Yankees, Locked On Mets, Locked On Jets, Locked On Giants. Whatever you're in, Locked On Rangers, whatever, whatever you're into, check it out on the Locked On Podcast Network on the Odyssey app. Uh, Gavin, we have so much more to talk about. My goodness, this was such a good game. Uh, where do you want to go next? We've we've given Derek Rose and Reggie Bullock their their fair share of praise here. I think. Do we want to maybe talk about Julius Randle and his latest masterpiece uh, against Zion Williamson? Let's uh, let, let's save it, Alex. I want to I want to go big picture for a second. Um, are we sure the Knicks aren't a little better than than we think? And maybe maybe the question I should be asking: Are we sure the Knicks aren't a little bit better than I think? Because I think in general, Alex, you, you've given them a little bit more credit in terms of what they can do in the playoffs. But we we keep seeing all the stats. Uh, I just saw another one on Twitter: second in um, defensive rating uh, since the middle of January, eighth overall net rating, which which is the one that stands out. To me more. And we, I, I think we were coming around on this point when the Knicks first got Derrick Rose. And what was it over his first nine or so games when he actually played? There were there was something like seven and two. And, and then Rose got hurt for a while, didn't really get back into rhythm. Um, the Knicks lost a bunch of close games. They had some disappointing losses, like the Timberwolves won, uh, a nearly really bad one to the Wizards that they came back and won. And all of a sudden, I, I was sort of back on my, my early season take that, like, yeah, they're average. And, and they're winning some good games, but their style of play disproportionately inflates their regular season win total. And in the playoffs, when everyone's playing hard, when everyone's stars are playing 45 plus minutes per game, um, it's going to even out. But I'm starting to come around to the idea that maybe they're going to be a little bit more of a pain in the ass than I think in the playoffs. And and obviously, to to some extent, it it all comes down to what their matchup is in the playoffs. And, And when I say that, what I really mean is, can they get into that four or five game? Can they, can they, past the Celtics or the Hawks because I think Boston even though they're also on a six-game winning streak and playing really well right now maybe not beatable but if the Knicks took them like long and far in a series and obviously the Knicks have played them really really well this season um despite that one loss I don't know that could that could be a series 
Obviously, if you play the Hawks, I think everyone would agree that that's a toss-up of a series. The way Boston is rolling right now, that feels like more of a long shot. I'm still not totally convinced that uh, Miami, who's who's just two games back, uh, pending the result of, of their game against the Nets, which is finishing up right now, maybe they get back into that race. You can't lock any anything in for the Knicks yet. They can still very easily get into the play-in and lose in the play-in. But I, I just want to throw out, there, there are scenarios where they get out of the first round. I think Boston is somewhat beatable. I think Atlanta is very beatable. Where it gets iffier is you talk Milwaukee, Brooklyn, Philly. Um, Philly without Joel Embiid, yeah, that, that's that, that's something that could happen. But again, he's most likely to be there. I think that's too tall of a task, especially without Mitchell Robinson. The Nets, I mean, with KD out, crazier things have maybe happened, could happen. I don't know. And the Bucks, I I don't know. My, my inclination, even though the Knicks got them earlier in the year, is just that that's a really, really tough matchup for New York. And I, I know the Knicks have gone two and one against them on the season, but one of those games was with the Bucks missing literally everyone and still almost beating the Knicks. I, I just think with how good, or I, I know maybe not statistically on the year, but at, at points through over the last couple of seasons, how devastating they can be defensively. I would be a little worried about that. But Alex, I, I don't, I don't know if you're on the same wavelength as me here. Do you, do you feel like? I, I mean, you, you could look at me. You could look at, like, a bunch of national people. Are the Knicks not really getting enough credence as a threat to get out of the first round? Or is their ultimate destiny, like, maybe just a team that could put a little scare into one of the best teams in the NBA? Yeah, I mean, think about it this way, right? Like, we've been we, – we ourselves have been kind of flighty about this whole thing, you know? And, and it's not without good reason. I mean, right before this six-game win streak – the Knicks lost five of six and it was a, a lot of those games were in kind of embarrassing fashion. Like they had the, um, the losses to the heat and the Mavericks where they just kind of blew it, you know, all of a sudden just decided that it wasn't worth trying anymore. And you know, those teams are professional teams and they came back on the Knicks and, and beat them. Uh, same deal with the Timberwolves, except for that's a horrible team, you know, and the Knicks let their foot off the gas, wound up losing that game. Um, you know, the, the Nets game, similar Celtics game, similar, you know, that where they lost both those games by two points. And, you know, you just kind of said to yourself, wow, this team just, they're not ready yet. And that was at our low point. Right. And we had, um, I apologize. I forget his last name, but David, who's come on our, our locker room, uh, fan Friday, he's kind of made a, a running joke out of it now on, on the locker rooms now where he's like, you know, the first, the first time that he came up and asked us a question, he was like, do you think the Knicks could upset someone in the first round? And we were like, Oh, maybe, you know, and, and I was, you know, probably a little more bullish than you, but either way, we were just kind of like, Hey, it's possible. Maybe if they're in the four or five matchup, you know, and that was right before that bad stretch of games, then that bad stretch happens. And David's like, I don't know, man, I think, you know, I think I, I might've screwed up here. I don't think the Knicks, you know, are ready for this yet, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I don't think that they can make it out of the first round. And we were kind of agreeing like, yeah, you know, I don't know. I guess they're going to end up in the play-in games. And now they've won six straight games. And now we're back on, man, you know, the Knicks are a problem. Maybe they could actually do this against somebody. So it's just kind of the nature of the beast. Um, I did note, you know, on our last episode, like their schedule is pretty easy for the next like six games, seven games after this one, uh, culminating with the Memphis game. And they have, they're on a homestand right now of six straight games, very winnable games. So if the Knicks, you know, take advantage of this and they stretch that win streak out to something like 10 games or something like that, or let's say they lose one, but they win, you know, they win something like 10 out of 11 games or something like that during this stretch all through this homestand and through this relatively easy stretch before 
you know, the hard stretch at the end of the season hits, I, I think there's definitely a chance that, you know, we might be saying, yeah, they might be able to steal a first round series because, or not even steal it, just work their way to a first round series because they work really hard and they're a really good team uh, when they, when they want to be. But like, it, it's, it all depends. You know, I, I, I'm in agreement with you. I don't, I don't know if they necessarily have the juice to give the Sixers, the Nets, or the Bucks a really hard time in the first round. They, well, they'll give them a hard time. They might take like two games off of any one of those teams. And that would be a huge stepping stone. I mean, are you kidding me? Like taking two games off one of the top three teams in the conference would be a really big deal. Um, but if it's a 4-5 matchup and they're against the Hawks or the Celtics or let's say the Heat go on a run or something, you know, any of those teams, I there, I think there's a reasonable chance they could win a seven-game series against them. It might go a full seven games, but they could probably do it. Um, it it's all just going to come down to how things go, you know, as far as the standings play out. But like, yeah, I, I'm in agreement with you, especially like, I mean, we've seen with the Sixers and the Nets, even shorthanded, those teams are still just a lot for the Knicks to handle. So if they manage to get to full strength by the playoffs, it it would be damn near impossible. And that's not a knock on the Knicks. That's just how far ahead those teams are in their, you know, rebuilding of their team into championship teams. You know, um, the Bucks. I, you know, I think they could give them trouble. But the problem with the Bucks is like they're sort of similar in the way that they play to how the Pelicans do in a way, you know, where they have, they have that, you know, huge barreling, you know, point forward of a player in Giannis, just like the Pelicans had in Zion. The only problem is, is that Milwaukee has actually succeeded in putting shooters all around uh, Giannis, whereas the Pelicans have not with Zion, which is why, you know, the Pelicans are no good. Um, You know, the, the Bucks, you can't, you can't just load up the middle to try to stop Giannis without getting, you know, eviscerated from three potentially. So yeah, it's uh, I, I don't know that they could beat any of the top three seeds in the first round, but I think they can give them trouble. And I think if they get in a four or five matchup, they could definitely make it out. You know, Alex, if people are in agreement with us and they think the Knicks odds of getting out of the first round are a little bit better than the general public might think, there's, there's a way to go make some money off of that. All you got to do is get to bet online. It's the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA and NHL are in full swing. Bet online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Bet online has you covered for all the new scores and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's absolutely free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit if this is a very big if. Use our promo code locked on. Bet online, your online sports book experts. All right, with that, we are back on the podcast. But just a friendly reminder if you want to get more analysis on the top prospects available in this year's NBA draft, you can do so with the Locked On NBA Draft podcast. Scouting reports, draft rumors, mock drafts, four days a week from credentialed draft experts. Follow the Locked On NBA Draft podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get podcasts. All right, Alex, I have put it off. Far too long. It's Randall time. Let's get into it. Uh, another monster game for him. And for Julius, this one wasn't wasn't nearly as efficient, wasn't quite as aesthetically pleasing after, or relative, excuse me, to his absolute domination. And um, yeah, I would say, I would say domination is actually the right word, of the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, this one, 33 points, 10 assists, 5 boards, 5 steals, in 47 minutes, 
just 11 of 28 from the field, two for eight from three. Did did make up for it somewhat in the efficiency uh, standpoint by going nine for 10 from the charity stripe. It felt like a game, at least to me, where, where he he just seems he just seems drained, and and it makes sense. He, he's again, he's just every time down the floor. Doris Burke even noted it. He's looking at five defenders, like they're they're all just staring him down, ready to help, ready to swarm. And because of that, he has to he has to subsist on this insanely tough diet of shots. And I can't imagine how frustrating it is for someone who spent their entire basketball life just physically bulldozing people, getting to the rim, and no one being able to stop him. And this year, I mean, he's arguably more capable of doing that than ever before in the best shape of his life. And the Knicks, unfortunately, um, I mean, either either due to roster deficiencies or, or, I mean, more notably because they insist on playing Alfred Payton a whole lot, just don't quite have the spacing to sustain that style of play for Julius Randle. So it's a lot of it's a lot of facing up and and jabbing and 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 knifing backwards and going forward, like like literally pushing down just to go back and and and, and hit his spot. And to Randle's credit, doing that all season, he's been pretty darn efficient. But there are going to be nights like this. Where the legs just aren't quite there, and he's not able to get all the way to the rim. He's not even really able to get to the to the middle of the lane to to hit the easier version of those types of shots, Alex. Instead, everything is tough. Everything is high degree of difficulty, and you give him a credit. He he made just enough of those shots on the night that the Knicks were able to survive. And then what I love about this version of Julius Randle is even with all, all those shot makings, even even in the third and fourth quarter times, I would argue um, he was trying to go tick for tat with Zion a little bit, and, and he forced up some really tough ones. Um, he he made the plays outside of his scoring that he needed to make. He, he with, with 40 seconds-ish about left in this game, he, he had the def- one of the defensive plays of the game in this one, because Taj also had a few candidates, and Nerlens obviously had that monster block in overtime. But, but stripping Zion Williamson... Um, to get the ball back for the Knicks um, led to led to him coming back down the other end, jab, jab, pump, one dribble, step back, made it, um, setting up that final three ball from Reggie Bullock and giving the Knicks um, a chance for that shot to have some meaning. Um, and then comes back in overtime. And, and again, instead of, instead of forcing the issue, he, he had every, every chance in the world to force the issue. He, Plays unselfishly um, out on the three-point line, gets a closeout on him, and he's wide open at the foul line. He's been taking that shot all game. Instead, he says, nah, Reggie's cooking. Let me me get in the ball. Throw out to the right wing. Reggie drains a three, 110-105. And for all extents and purposes, the Pelicans kind of deflated after that shot, and it felt like like the game was was essentially over. They, They didn't have an answer. Obviously, he comes back later and hits that super deep three to to essentially seal it. But he, he sucked the life out of the Pelicans. And, it, and it's fascinating. Going against a counterpart in Zion Williamson, I mean, we, we noted it the first time they played Alex. Probably Randall is like maybe the only guy physically who sort of compares to him, like outside of LeBron in the NBA. And, and Zion got his. He had 34 points, nine boards, five assists. He, he was arguably, I, I would say he was the better player of the two of them in regulation. But, but Randall... I mean, it, it's, it's again, Zion's a monster, monster athlete. It's just a testament to the kind of shape he's in. When Zion looked a little bit out of gas, had to go to the sideline um, near the end of regulation, Randall just kept on coming, kept on cooking, used every tool in his arsenal, and, and, and he willed the Knicks to this win down the stretch. And it, it was another just, just Herculean effort 
And, and I think it even it means a little more on a night when he clearly didn't have his best stuff. That that he's he's able to go deep into his bag of tricks and say, "All right, I got us. I'm, I'm going to figure out how to win this game." Yeah, and you know, I watched. Uh, it sounds like you watched the ESPN broadcast, which I I almost did until I realized that MSU was also carrying this game, which. We talked about that prior to, to the show. It was so weird. I, I didn't think that uh, MSG could carry the games that ESPN was carrying, but whatever. I'm not complaining. So I was listening to that one, and Clyde kind of made a comment that was like, you know, that's the, the difference between Randall and Zion right now is Randall has a jump shot, and that's been the difference. And it kind of was. Like, Randall's shot was really uh, pretty off in this game by and large, but it was on enough that it, it killed Zion trying to defend him. And, you know, I think that part of that fatigue that you're talking about that Zion experienced was the fact that, I mean, he took the challenge to give him props, I guess, to, to try to guard Randall all night, but down the stretch, I mean, Randall got the better of him so many times. Um, there was, there was even a few times where he just, he straight up just got a step on, on Zion from a face up situation. And, and drove straight past him to the hoop uh, once or twice. And so it was, it was really good for Randall. You know, like, like you said, the efficiency wasn't there. Like he shot 11 of 28 overall, two of eight from three, but he did get to the free throw line 10 times, which was a valuable commodity for the Knicks. Uh, they did not get to the free throw line that often in this game, only 24 times as a team. Um, and, and, you know, so, he just did the superstar things that you expect from him. And his, his defense, I thought, was fantastic, too. I mean, he struggles a bit with Zion because who wouldn't? I mean, Zion just is really great. Um, the big thing that I think that Randall had a hard time with was it was it was probably just a matter of being able to find the energy to do this, which is getting his butt into Zion every time and boxing him out. I mean, Zion is just huge, but on top of being huge, is so, like, slithery under the hoop trying to get these rebounds that there were some times where I would look and I, every single time the ball went up from the Pelicans, I was like, all right, where are the Knicks? Are they in position for a rebound? If this doesn't go in because the Pelicans like did not shoot very well at all, particularly from three, they shot six to 27. So pretty much every time they put up like a three or any sort of jump shot, you know, I was looking at it like, okay, is it, it you know when this misses because it seems like they can't make anything where are the Knicks are they in proper position and sometimes it would look like they were basically in proper position but unless like Julius was like manhandling Zion Zion was able to wiggle free and, and get an offensive rebound and then just I, again I don't know entirely how he does it but he just has such a quick trigger and is able to get it off at just the perfect spot to make the layup in because he's I mean, we forget Zion's like six foot seven with not a particularly crazy wingspan or anything. And yet it's just that brute strength and everything just allows him to just make so much space for himself. Plus just his overall girth, you know, the wide shoulders, the big butt, everything just allows him to to create the space he needs and get those layups. So that was probably one of the only other areas I'd say Julius struggled, but it's like it's really splitting hairs. You know, you can't really complain about efficiency or that Zion got some extra offensive rebounds when Julius scores over 30 again, has one of the greatest uh, plus minus impacts on the team for the night. And, and, you know, that bore itself out in the eye test. Um, he was, he was just fantastic. I mean, I, I don't know when this stretch is going to end. I, I'm really like crossing my fingers that we get treated to a Amari esque 30 point streak here 
because that streak by Amari back in the uh, 10-11 season where he broke the Knicks record and scored 30-plus in nine straight games was one of the most fun experiences I've ever had as a fan of this team. So we're certainly getting there with Julius Randle with this now currently four straight streak of 30-point games. Um, I wouldn't be surprised, honestly, if on some night, you know, in the near future when he finds a team that is willing to throw single coverage at him and doesn't have a suitable defender for him, I wouldn't be surprised if he flirts with 50 sometime soon with the way that he's playing right now because it's been proven now that unless you have a guy like a Zion that can really beat him up all night and and stick with him and absorb those blows from, you know, like Randall clearing out with his shoulder and whatever, uh, you're going to get you're going to get messed up by Julius Randall on any given night. Um, I do want to, I, I want to pivot though away from Julius and go to RJ Barrett a little bit. I think that it's probably easy to forget because he fouled out in this game, which you could argue whether he, you know, earned all the fouls that he got or whatever, but he fouled out with, I want to say like four minutes left in regulation thereabouts. Um, I don't know the exact timestamp, but somewhere down the stretch, but he was so important for the beginning of this game for the Knicks because Julius Randle, it's crazy. I mean, part of why his efficiency wasn't fantastic was that he didn't score the whole first quarter. Um, He, he struggled. He shot 0 of three and just in general, like was looked a little uncomfortable on the offensive end before he finally settled in RJ Barrett. Meanwhile, in the first quarter uh, had 10 points, went four of seven, two of two from three, uh, two rebounds, two assists. I mean, he had a few turnovers as well, which people might harp on, but you know, all in all finished 18 points, four rebounds, two assists, seven to 15 shooting two of four from three. I thought he played a really great game. Um, you know, he, he did what the Knicks needed, particularly in the early going to keep things close. And then, you know, once Randall figured it out in the second quarter, that was when the Knicks really took off and got that 13-point lead because it was like, oh, if they're playing this good and Randall hasn't even hit a shot yet, once Randall figures it out, they'll just they'll be in really good shape. And that, that did kind of bear out, even if they uh, ultimately didn't hold on to that lead and almost coughed it up and had to kind of play cash up at the end. But I thought that RJ's, you know, his contributions at the beginning were so important. He had a couple of shots uh, later in the game as well that, you know, kind of helped get the Knicks back after they had fallen into that hole. And then he just kind of fouled out at, at the wrong time. And ultimately, I mean, the Knicks were kind of lucky in that everybody else stepped up so good because without RJ due to fouling out and without Alec Burks due to COVID protocol um, and with Emmanuel quickly still kind of struggling, like those are those have been three of the Knicks' best fourth quarter scorers lately. Uh, so it was lucky that Derrick Rose, Reggie Bullock, Julius Randle all stepped up and filled that role tonight. But, uh, you know, the Knicks, as much as, you know, Julius was a huge part of them winning and Rose and Bullock, uh, they wouldn't have been in a position to tie the game late or do any of the stuff that they ultimately did if RJ hadn't kind of buoyed them in the first quarter there. Yeah, I would say two plays with RJ that really stood out to me. The the first quarter, um, I mean, just just how crafty he is, and and I know we we, we reference this a lot, but I, I think it's it's worth harping on. I mean, just how ahead of his his years he is in terms of um, understanding both timing and leverage and and patience and and knowing when to slow down and when to speed up. Um, I think it was it was either Noel or Taj coming up to set him a screen. 
but he just he just does throws in a little extra hesitation dribble and and, it, and it's to one give the give the screener time to get set up two to distract the defender so he doesn't see the screener coming um and then he's one-on-one with jackson hayes and, and rj i mean we referenced it with kleba the other night he's just been toasting bigs on, on switches lately another little hezzy um some craft around the rim knows hayes is big knows hayes is going to go up and try and get a block and, and rj i mean again it's another thing to love about him like like doesn't necessarily care about his efficiency which which in some ways would be a bad thing but he, he's just he's so about just making the right play maybe maybe him not caring about his statistics is better like by going up against Hayes a lot of guys would say all right I'm probably not going to make the first shot here let me just let me just throw this out instead he's like oh I'm just going to Kobe this I'm, I'm going to throw this to myself and he, he creates some space tosses it off the backboard uh, I mean, obviously he was trying to make the shot, but he knew it would be an ideal rebound position. We saw that from him a couple of times over the last few games. Puts it back in, cleans it up, part of a massive, massive first quarter for him. And, and then fast-forwarding all the way to the fourth quarter, he, he's been doing more and more work out of the post in recent weeks. I remember going all the way back to when he was drafting out, because you and I were saying, all right, like let, let, let's figure out some lineups where he can get some time at the four, because this kid is so damn strong. And we're, we're getting a little bit of that now. Um, post up lefty jump hook over Lonzo gorgeous. I want to see more of that. And I hope the Knicks get to some lineups down the road where he, he can get more minutes at that four spot. All right, uh, Alex, I think we can just about wrap up on that. Um, I want to quickly, a couple, couple of shout outs, uh, Taj Gibson, uh, man continues to be, uh, drinking that Regeneron or, or, or whatever, whatever kind of super drug he's on. Um, destroyed Zion back-to-back plays, stripping Zion. I thought that was crazy. I mean, this is this is the most athletic player in the league going into like one of the oldest and, and someone I going back to last year I would have said was was creaky a little bit. And and Taj just Taj just got him twice. And then that Nerlens Noel block we referenced it a couple of times, but second straight game after he destroyed Dorian Finney-Smith. This time Brandon Ingram uh, wanted to try his luck and it did not go well. For him, we 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 we've discussed it all episode. It's all these all these role guys doing their part, playing to the best of their abilities, all coming together at once. It, it's beautiful to watch. It is, and it really is reminiscent of that amazing 2012-13 team um, where everyone sort of coalesced around a superstar playing the best basketball of his career. That's who Julius Randle is right now. That's who the Knicks are right now. And we'll wrap up on that beautiful note. The New York Knicks, they have back-to-back games uh, Tuesday and Wednesday against Charlotte and then the Hawks. Pivotal games for the Knicks in their playoff race. We'll be here to cover it for you. Until next time, Gavin Shaw, Alex Wilson.